much as we don't like this terminology, prayer is a discipline. Now, we generally don't like things that are disciplines. They require work, they require effort, there's something that is not spontaneous or organic, or sometimes we might even say not even joyful. And we want prayer to be all of those things. We want it to be spontaneous and organic and joyful. And yet, that's just not what prayer is. The letter to the Hebrews talks about, My son, do not disdain the discipline of the Lord, or lose heart when reproved by him. For whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. He scourges every son he acknowledges. I just finished a book on the stages of prayer, which I think is, is truly excellent. It's called The Fulfillment of All Desire by a guy named Ralph Martin. And what Ralph Martin did is he took six doctors of the church, Catherine of Siena, Teresa of Avila, Therese of Lisieux, John of the Cross, Bernard of Clairvaux, and Francis de Sales, these doctors of the church, the smartest saints that the church has to offer, the ones who wrote about our theology in a way that changed our theology after they wrote, a way that gave us the articulations we still use today. He took all of their writings, and essentially he presents a series of long quotes with commentary where they talk about the stages of prayer. Now, six saints from very different eras. Bernard was from the 11th century, all the way up to Therese of Lisieux, who's from the 19th century. These saints from all these different eras talk about prayer in the same way. And they give us essentially the same stages of prayer. And all of them talk about the fact that prayer is a discipline. It's something we have to work at. To summarize very briefly the initial stages of prayer... The first thing that's going to happen when somebody begins to pray, remember for the sake of this, the definition of prayer that I gave a month or two ago that we're still using is prayer is conforming our will to the will of God, trying to understand the will of God, know the will of God, and internalize and act on the will of God. All of our conversations with the Lord are oriented toward that goal, uniting ourselves to the will of God. So when somebody begins to pray, the first time they say, I really, I want to know what the will of God is. I want to know what he has to say about my life and about my situation. I want to know where he's coming from and to get on that page. The first time somebody sits down with the Lord and tries to unite themselves with him, almost, almost universally, it is a moment of incredible joy and thanksgiving. That person is filled with the feeling of grace right away. It's very joyful, it's very happy, it's very fulfilling. We're just, it's, the Lord is rewarding that movement by showing them immediately how much grace is available through prayer. And that might last for a time, so that the person begins to realize, yes, prayer is a good thing, and yes, everything I've been told about prayer is true. But pretty quickly, after that initial experience, prayer begins to fade. The joy and the fulfillment, at least the feelings of prayer, begin to fade. And this is because the, most of the first stages of prayer are something called the purgative stage, where the Lord has to purify us through prayer. So the first purification that he does on us is the purification of sin, particularly major sins. 
If prayer is uniting our will to the will of God, and sin is choosing something against the will of God, those two things cannot coexist. We cannot simultaneously desire the will of God and reject the will of God. They're illogical together. And so the Lord has to purify us of those sins. He has to put on our hearts, these are the sins that you've got going on right now, and you need to work on those. And until we choose to work on those, the efficacy, well, that's not quite the right word, but the feeling of joy in prayer will diminish. Because the Lord is trying to train us and teach us that these sins cannot coexist with authentic prayer. And so people are faced with a choice at that point, and they will do one of two things. They will either say, I like this sin too much, and they won't work on it, and their prayer life will never recover. Or they will say, no, I actually, that initial feeling of joy in prayer, I want that. I want to make sure I I can live there for the rest of my life. I will work on this sin. And they begin to work on it, and they see their prayer life increase as that sin decreases. A cousin of that stage of prayer that often happens at the same time is what we would generally associate with the word discipline in English, which is trying to develop a habit, a disciplined habit of prayer. If we only pray spontaneously, it will not go well for us after a time. If we say, oh, I'm feeling really prayerful today, I'm going to pray for 20 minutes or 30 minutes, and then the next two or three days we don't get around to it, we're too busy, we don't make the time, we don't feel like it, and then we try to pray again for 30 minutes or 15 minutes, and it's kind of in and out and up and down, and it's just whenever we feel like it, our prayer will never become truly deep and fulfilling. It just won't. That, that burst of prayer and then that negligence of prayer will eventually become associated with the burst of prayer become less fulfilling. They become less joyful. Because the Lord is trying to teach us what it looks like to be a holy, happy, and healthy human being. And that looks like carving out time for prayer. Again, we're trying to form our will. Our emotions are not governed by our will. Our emotions just happen. Sometimes we feel like praying, sometimes we don't. But if all of our decisions are made based on emotion, then prayer will never become a discipline. Instead, we have to train our will. And our will requires habits, and our will requires making hard choices. And so the Lord teaches us over time to make time for prayer, whether we feel like it or not. And as we make that time for prayer we will begin to see more joy and fulfillment in prayer as our prayer gets more regular. I find the hardest day to pray, and Father Mike Schmidt says this as well in his podcast, the hardest day to pray is the day after I forgot to pray. Because that's the day where I really have to make the hard choice and I don't feel like it. And a lot of times that prayer isn't great. It's not fulfilling. I'm just trying to get it done. But the best day for prayer is after I've prayed well and consistently for the previous six days. That seventh day of prayer is really, really good because I've hit a rhythm with the Lord. And our experience of prayer is proportionate to our ability to do that. That's what it looks like to say that the Lord disciplines us. He's teaching us how to live a good and fulfilled life by helping us see, essentially, the cause and effect in our prayer life. After all of this happens, after we move from our lives the grave sins, after we begin to have a habit of daily prayer, a discipline of daily prayer, then our prayer life begins to look pretty good. 
that initial stage of prayer is kind of like gouging on or gorging on candy. It's like, yeah, I got this, this, all these sweets, and I feel really good about that, but it doesn't last. After we develop that discipline for the first time, prayer becomes a lot more fulfilling and nourishing, like an actual meal with vegetables and nutrients. But then the Lord will do two other things that I need to prepare you for. First, is he will do something that's often referred to as the dark night of the senses. This is not the dark night of the soul that, that saints like John of the Cross will go through. The dark night of the senses is the idea that all of the sensual pleasures of this world begin to lose their flavor. In order to really emphasize the primacy of prayer, not that it's something that we add on to the rest of our life, but it is the foundation of our life, that constant unity with the Lord and desire for his will, the Lord will remove the pleasures of other things in this life. So the things we used to enjoy, our hobbies, our pastimes, sometimes even our time with family, that will, for a time, lose its joy. And the only thing that satisfies us will be prayer. But a lot of times we experience that as a restlessness. We might say, ah, I'm, I'm kind of I'm going through a rough time, or we might call it a midlife crisis or an existential crisis, but it's not always a midlife and it's not always existential. But it's just, I don't, I, there's nothing that satisfies me right now. Well, sometimes we experience that and we don't think that means I need to go to prayer. We think, I'm just in a rough spot and I'm unsatisfied, and we go to bad things. We go back to sins, sins that made us feel good. We might go to overeating or alcohol or other things that we go to, these coping mechanisms. But the Lord is trying to teach us, again, a discipline. He's trying to discipline us and teach us, no, the thing that you want, the reason you're restless, is because I'm calling you to something deeper and you're not looking into that depth. You're not looking to where I'm calling you. You're still looking to these things that aren't bringing you joy anymore. Intentionally, I'm making sure they don't bring you joy anymore. And yet you're still not looking at prayer. It's trying to solidify for us that prayer is the foundation of our life. And once we learn the lesson, the joy of the other things often comes back. But we have to go through that difficult period first. And after we experience that... He does one other thing. He, he does a lot more. We're not really talking about the illuminative or, or unitive stages of prayer. But that's fine. We'll get to those once all of us are saints. But the last thing he kind of does in this stage, which is unexpected and oftentimes very disappointing, is that at some point he will remove even the joy of prayer. The first stages, where it's sin or it's schedule, that's kind of our fault. We have to work on stuff to regain the joy of our prayer life. But there's another stage where it's not our fault at all. We're doing everything right. We're not living in sin. We're not being negligent with prayer. We have a good discipline. We've been with the Lord. We have a constancy. And then he'll take away even the joy and fulfillment that we feel during prayer. I've struggled with this. I I have journal entries over years where I'm angry with the Lord about having to experience this because I'm looking for fault in myself and I can't find it and I'm going to him and I'm saying, why are you doing this to me? Shouldn't this be more joyful? But the reason he does that is, again, we're trying to form our will. And he's trying to make our will strong, a will of steel. And so he'll take away even the joy and fulfillment of good prayer because he's trying to tell us not to rely on or go toward the feeling. A lot of times we pray not because we love God, but because we love the feeling of God. 
I love feeling fulfilled. I love feeling joyful. And the Lord has taught me I find that in prayer, but I go to prayer for the feeling, not for the love of God. And so he'll do to us, he'll remove the joy and the feeling of prayer to train us to go to him in the good times and the bad, to train us to not put stock in our emotions, but to know that if we go to him, we can trust him. We can trust that even if I don't feel good in prayer, even if I don't feel fulfilled, even if I'm not getting out of it what I used to, he's training us to trust that he is good, that he is loving, and that he is taking care of us, even if we don't feel it. He's training us in faith, truly, the virtue of faith. We need to know this because, as my seminary professor put it, every serious Christian at some point will experience this. Because the Lord has to train all of us. And the problem is that Christians are not warned that they will experience this. They're not warned that after they do all the steps and get that daily habit and they go through the initial training, that at some point prayer itself will lose its flavor. And because they're not warned, they get there and they blame themselves and go through a horrible shame series that really destroys their their dignity and their self-worth. Or they will think that they're doing something wrong, again, blaming themselves. Or they will say, I have to change everything. And so all of the good habits that they've developed in prayer, they fall off and they change. And then they kind of lose their prayer life and have to start from square one. Christians aren't told or trained that the purpose of that period of prayer is endurance. You stick with the habits you've developed. You say, you know what, I'm doing what I'm told I need to do. I'm doing 15 to 20 minutes of prayer a day. I'm not living in sin. I'm being close to the Lord. I'm doing that, and I'm not feeling good. Keep doing it. The Lord is training you through that, and the point is that endurance. To endure is the, is the purpose. And once you do that, the other end of that is super fulfilling. Because now your will is strong. It's developed. It's habitual. Now you can go through even suffering without a lot of turbulence. Because the Lord has trained you to do so. The letter to the Hebrews is really, it's really important what it says about discipline. It says that a father disciplines his children. We don't discipline people we don't love. If somebody's off doing something and we don't love them, we just let them continue in that self-destructive habit. But parents don't do that. Parents who love their children intervene in the lives of their children. All of these things we're talking about, all these disciplines where prayer is not always and immediately joyful or fulfilling, this is because the Lord loves you. He cares about you. He wants you to be a healthy, happy, and holy human being. And he knows that in order to do that, he has to take you through these stages, some of which are painful and difficult. But he does it like a father who loves his children. He does it because he knows that your future will be so much better and will have so much less suffering if you suffer a little bit now through discipline. The foundational belief that we have about God is that God is love, which means that everything God does is for your good. We have to trust that discipline, particularly discipline in prayer, is for our good. And so we engage in that. We embrace that. And we say, Lord, I'm willing to go through these stages because I know that they are expressions of your love. 
the love that a father has for his children, whom he wants to be happy, healthy, and holy.